HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Nate Rosen, founder of Express Checkout, a weekly newsletter dedicated to the latest updates and trends in the world of CPG, retail, e-commerce, and supply chain. With over 2,800 industry leaders on the mailing list, Express Checkout has become a must-read for me and also for those of us in the world of CPG and those who report on it. Prior to creating the newsletter, Nate was chief of staff at Agile Media Group and worked at Settle on the partnerships team. He also helps run First Look Ventures, the syndicate arm of First Look VC. Welcome, Nate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm psyched you're here. I um, I sent you a draft. I want to have a two-part, like a two-part pod. Cool. First part. Um, is like industry insights. You know, everyone who listens to this knows that I love my founder friends. I love interviewing a great operator. Um, but I really love when I have guests who get that like 30,000 foot view and can kind of like summarize themes. That is really fun for me. Um, and then the second part, we'll talk about newsletters in general, yours, sure. um, best practices, et cetera, because they have a feeling that they're going to be more of them. I think the, that feeling is correct. Yes. Um, so thoughts on the industry, trends, what you're seeing, insights, mistakes to avoid, all of that. Um, mm-hmm. What I love, and I am like, I, um, you can tell probably that I open it and I click through 
I'm like, I don't know if you can see that kind of data. <laughs> you can you can see a surprising amount. Okay. I'm definitely in there and I yeah. definitely look forward to it. Um I like the breadth of it. I like that you're able to aggregate a lot of different information from a lot of the different places. Um, and it also still feels kind of like personal and good, like fun. Yeah. Um so we all know there's been this like bracing for the big one kind of like this culling whatever you want to call it you know there's no money money was drying up consumers aren't buying anything all of that um i'm kind of curious on like your thoughts there what what's happening with the money <laughs> i i think the money's still there Mm -hmm. I'm still seeing a lot of brands closing rounds. Obviously, we don't know when those rounds really started. Mm -hmm. Some of those could be have, have gone on for many years, and they're sort of just closing it now. Mm -hmm. Some of those, they were able to get good strategics in and good funds in, and no problema. Um, generally, what I'm hearing from a lot of my founder friends and some operators, and even some VCs, mm -hmm. They're having trouble raising. Uh, I think a lot from the VC side, I think a lot of investors are wanting to see a lot more growth. They want to see, uh, you know, up into the left movement on a variety of different metrics, mostly profitability. Mm -hmm. um, they want to see more retail distribution, whatever it is. They want to see, you know, up and up into the right. Right. And it's definitely, I think it's definitely getting to some founders. It's like frustrating. Yeah. Especially when in years past, they were able to get at least conversations going really quickly and a yeah. lot of interest from a lot of different players. Um, but it's definitely feel like it's slowed down, hasn't gone away. There's still plenty of money to go around. Mm -hmm. um, but funds are definitely being a little bit more tight yeah. with their money going out. They're being a little bit more particular especially the ones that probably have you know, a bigger name behind them. They might have made some investments in the past based off of hype or A little vibes. bit of momentum investing, as they call it. I'm like, exactly. that's not a thing. <laughs> right. It was a thing in like, what, like 21? Yeah. It's just, it's like, that means that I don't have a thesis around this other than it's got momentum, which is not a thesis. So right. I, that was my little bugaboo. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only brands now that sort of get that, uh, we don't have a lot going on, but we're going to do well money are brands that have started with founders who have done in the past, they've succeeded, they have the connections, they can hit the ground running mm -hmm. either with distributors, with retailers, maybe it's just D2C, maybe it's Amazon, whatever it is, they can get it going very quickly. Like right. I think Gorgie, Gorgie sort of fits into that mm -hmm. bucket. Yeah, she's Michelle. a second time. Yeah, yep. she's great. Second time founder. I think they have the largest pre-seed raise for food and Bev. Oh, Wow. I mean, beverage is like not so the money. That's, that's you know? something else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she came on the pod a couple months ago and um, she just was like, I mean, she hasn't been at it for all that long, but she was basically like, no problem. Like, it's all good. I got this. This is yeah. great. <laughs> and like, and I would well. be like under a 
you know, a bed, basically thinking about a beverage brand, especially today. Um, One thing I thought, I thought what you were going to say was the ones that are having an easier job are the ones with a celebrity or a content creator behind them. And I've had a few of those on lately. Yeah. Um, And it does seem like I heard, I don't, do you listen to Pivot at all with Scott Galloway and Kara? I don't, but I do know. So it's like one of my favorite things. And this guy wrote in a question and he was asking about networking. Mm -hmm. And basically Scott was like, Networking is the same funnel as any sales or marketing. There's like the pre-buy, the pre-purchase, the awareness building, the point of sale, and then there's the, you know, retention, right? And anything can be kind of put into those three sort of pieces of a funnel, which I think is a really neat way to kind of look at everything. It's interesting. I do think that the, and I said this, hopefully not offensively to my content creator friend led brands. It, they, they take care of number one, they yeah. take care of that whole pre, mm-hmm. you know, top of funnel awareness. You don't have to spend at all getting attention. It just feels like there's a lot that has to happen after that. Um, yeah. On paper, they can be a very good bet because it, they can hit the ground running. They have a built in audience. They've already done, yeah. as you're saying, all of that legwork. But after the fact, I think there's some creator and celebrity brands who don't necessarily want to run, build, operate the business beyond the fact of launching and beyond the hype of launching. Right. I don't think it's everyone, but there's definitely some here or there that start to falter simply because right. that it's creator... It's not that fun anymore. <laughs> and and you know, their job and what they've really like built a whole thing about is being a creator and that's what they're really yep. good at. And yep. I think a lot of times a creator or a celebrity should join a brand more as like this marketing growth engine right? rather than, you know, the founderhood. But, but there's plenty of examples where there's celebrity and creators create a brand that's like very true to them. It's really solving something that they had an issue with. They had a problem with, and it, does great. Like yeah. Jennifer Garner's brand, I think is a wonderful example of that. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite celebrity owned brands. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had Ari Raz on and John Foraker, actually, they've both been guests on the show. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, you know, Ari's the first person to say when he, cause he, he's the, he was the founder. He was there yeah. for, I think five years before John and Jen came in, but you know, he's like, I could never, I mean, they just, they went from like, a normal sort of, yes, we're gaining this and we're getting Wegmans. And then we got another region of Whole Foods, you know, to just like, just a a powerhouse. Um, It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And I think that's when you have that perfect, you know, you have Jen as like that engine of awareness and that engine of brand. And then you have John, who's like an expert operator for years and years and years. Yeah. I actually think I listened I heard this on your podcast about how she would go into the Whole Foods meetings with the buyers. Yeah. I think that was on your podcast. I heard this. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great story. I know. I was thinking about the Goodles um, Mm -hmm. thing, and I was wondering if Wonder Woman goes in. Like, does Gal Gadot go into the, like, Publix My assumption is not. I think she should. I think she would have fun with it. I mean, 
It's a fun brand. They're they've got great traction. She's not really working right now. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I know it's funny. Well, I have a um I have a reality star on my cap table. And mm-hmm. I we had a whole plan to do demos together, but I wanted it to be like candid camera e. Like yeah. he, no one I wasn't gonna like publicize that he was doing the demos it's a with fun me, way to do it. But like some mom or whatever, like fan of the show would walk up and be like, wait. Is that you? You know, um, I, but then I ended up not being able to get out to California. So alas, I'll have to do it next year. I, am I, am I, I'm going to say something sounds a little sour grapes. I would just like you to make me feel a little better about it or shed some light on it. I have a little bit of this feeling like these celebrities and the content creators and these brands are hogging a little bit of consumer attention and also the VC money. And I know it's smart and I understand for the VCs, it's a good bet because at least they have that part of the funnel taken care of. And I get totally why celebrities want to not just like do a cologne in Hong Kong, but they want to like actually have a brand and like be a founder. I get that that's cool and all of that, but it's annoying. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. I re- I yeah. respect all of them. I I understand everything, and yet as someone who's like, we have to claw and scratch for any mention in any listicle in anything we can get for right. like any awareness whatsoever. Tell me what's gonna happen. Tell me what's happening to us, and tell me what's happening to the world. I think right now we're like going through this, not a bubble because it's sort of always been around, but it's just louder than normal. Mm-hmm. This celebrity creator brand space. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going away. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. I I think we'll start to see a, a transition to fewer celebrity creator founders and more, um, more, more of these sponsorship sort of talent venture deals. Mm-hmm. Um more so than these founders. But I think there's a lot of brands out there that we also just don't see. Right. They're not at Expo. Maybe they're not at even fancy food. Mm -hmm. They're there. They're operating. They're building locally. They're building where they're planted. And they're slowly expanding. CPG is, as you know, a very long-term game. Yeah. It can take a while to really get to a point where you are as well-known as our X bar mm-hmm. or, or even bigger kind bar or mm-hmm. cliff bar. I don't know why I'm using bars, but yeah, those are easy. Yeah. I think there's still a lot of hope. Not, none of that's going away. If anything, I think there's more people creating their own brands than there are celebrities and content creators creating their own brands. They just yeah. happen to hog a little bit more of, of the of your yeah. LinkedIn, of your PR. But I think that's kind of just a bias of who you're, looking at you're looking at a lot of industry people like we right we talk and we're this audience here is yep. we're a big echo chamber and like a lot of my friends who are normal <laughs> <laughs> who are normal people they go to a grocery store and they don't go oh i know that person right exactly oh we financed this deal right they're just like this looks tasty yeah they know like 
for celebrity brands. Right, right. They know it much is, more. It's never the same. It's like, it's funny. I had a, I had a, I posted something on LinkedIn for Rosh Hashanah that I had made yeah. my third like shidduch, basically. Yeah. Like I, not of marriage, but of like an operator with like, <laughs> and a brand. And I've sort of been like, I might not be able to find you a boyfriend or like a spouse, but I can find you a head of ops. I can find you a marketing person. Like honestly, sometimes better. Um, And in like the Jewish tradition, you know, even if that, that marriage ends up breaking up for whatever reason, like you still get the credit. And if you get three of them, you go to heaven. So that was like my Rosh Hashanah post. And then Someone was basically so. Uh, someone commented something like, "What would CPG heaven look like?" You know, <laughs> like we went on this like tangent wow. of like, I know, because there's so we're there. There is a lot of unpacking to do about the people that choose to be a part of this, yes, ecosystem because there's something a little you know funny about loose, all of us. Some loose screws in us. For sure. It's like when I used to work in hospitality, we always sort of referred to ourselves as like Island of the Lost Toys people. Like <laughs> there's something about wanting to put something into the world that doesn't exist, that makes people happy. And also just dealing with like constant harassment that makes us a particular breed. Um, Pain and I don't suffering. Know why I got into like the heaven situation. But you were saying something about, I think, the brands. There are these brands. Yeah. And and that's the good part. I mean, again, if you listen to this a lot, you've probably heard me say this a lot. But, like, I was around for the last big, you know, money, financial, economic downturn. Yeah. And it bred so much innovation and ingenuity and scrappiness and creativity. I remember a couple of years ago, there were, you know, a lot of brand friends of mine, founder friends of mine, myself included, we were not shiny objects. So we were not VC darlings. And that felt a little crappy. Of course. um, Because we didn't have that sort of pre-launch story Right. That was going to like disrupt whatever industry for whatever. We didn't get $5 million in pre launch, you know, pre revenue, anything with a whatever valuation. And, and so it's, it's, this is just like a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a level setting where if you are one of those brands that's just making something good and your velocity strong and you're able not to spend a lot doing it and your margins are just kind of going in a good direction, you might actually be able to get some attention. It's probably just like the middle brands that are neither nor that. Right. They're, they're not quite there. There might, they might be at a point where they need that little bit of capital, but they haven't reached a certain velocity or revenue threshold for these funds to be like, yes, we want to put some cash in here. So they have to work a little bit harder, but yeah, there will be, you know, calling of the herd uh, yeah. a little bit. I think it's already sort of hap- happened. I think some of this M and A activity we've seen. I think some of it's good. Some of it's probably not as good as it the outcomes looks that on they the outside. Wanted. Right. Right. And tell me about other themes. You know, I'm. I picture you at your typewriter. 
typewriter. Every week, like with your pencil in your ear, you know, kind of, you know, scanning the industry for interesting things. And I would imagine that like word bubbles or writing a term paper, themes start popping up. What's been in your brain that you're like, huh, this tracks with my, you know, with my little theme that I'm seeing emerging lately? I think one of the things I've seen a lot more of is discussion around C-stores. They seem to be gaining some momentum, both in terms of like brands being like, maybe I should go to Mm 7-Eleven or just acquisition within the space of like certain C-stores acquiring each other, growing, becoming more of a destination, sort of that Wawa Sheets effect. Yeah. Sort of seeping its way into other C-stores and other uh, you know, roadside attraction stores. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good one because it, I think it also sort of tangential to that is the Walmart discussion, which is definitely yeah. like on people's minds. Oh, yeah. And then there was that article about the dollar store, but how there were all these like luxury cars parked in the parking lot yeah. of the dollar store. Yep. So, so I get it. Is it just like everyone's people just don't want to spend more than yeah. they have to. And I think that's always been the case. Like I. Except for Whole Foods. Except for Whole Foods. And Air One. Look, <laughs> well, Air One's a whole nother story. <laughs> look, I, I try a lot of stuff. I get some stuff sent to me. I buy plenty of stuff. But the way I normally buy is not really what you think I would be buying. Right. Like, I'm pretty price conscious. Mm-hmm. I don't like to pay more than I necessarily have to. Like, I don't want to just pay for brand. Yeah. I'll pay up to a certain point. I don't mind paying more for something as long as it's the best thing that I can buy or the best yeah. tasting thing or something or, or something like that. So, like, with, uh, like, skincare, for example, like, CeraVe or La Roche-Posay or, like, I'm not necessarily going to go up because right. for me it doesn't it doesn't add much more value besides if somebody goes into my cabinet and be like oh you have that mm-hmm. that's really nice no one's going into my cabinet this isn't like yeah a backpack or anything i've like only that. had one i'm i'm like i'm like a such a target for any yeah. consumer brand i'm like the right i'm like a you know 50 year old woman I like nice things. I have, you know, some resources. Like I'm just like, yay, you know, <laughs> feed me yeah. your your ad. I will say, necessary. Yes. That's one brand that I'm like, I can't it's I, I'll buy an Aesop hand soap, which my kids are like, this is like fifty dollars. Like what why why would you do that? You know what I mean? There's I'm a like, method one that smells just as good. I'm sure for some reason i'm like it's fine with asap but for some reason necessary every time i see the number i'm like i'm not i'm it i'm not buying it like why do you think some brands can get away with that premium and others can't like what what have they done that why, i mean even bachan at walmart or at target yeah. it's like like good for Justin. That's amazing. Like why does some 
it's I want to hold on to my premium if I can. Right. I just I don't think I have the confidence, honestly, to put it out there. What what do you think it is? There's some brands that just really hit it right in the marketing. I mean, the, uh, a lot of times it is just marketing. It's not necessarily the product is any better. Mm-hmm. I I can't speak to necessaire. I have. It smells really it. good, but um, not good enough. <laughs> I think I use Garnier and Huron. Yeah. I have I have some Huron stuff, which is very nice. And okay. my my wife uses Pros. She loves mm-hmm. that. Swears by that. But I think with like with Justin's product with Necessaire, they're a little. I mean, obviously those are a little bit different. Like beauty yeah. is like a whole nother game where yeah. I think people do equate the cost with quality, mm-hmm. which isn't always the case. Right. I think with food and Bev, it's, it depends on the product. I think with the sauce, you're not necessarily using it as much. It lasts a little bit longer. People are doing that math in their head. I also think it's like for that product in particular, like it's something that I think people didn't know that they wanted mm-hmm. It's on the shelf and it looks good. It looks accessible, looks approachable. Mm-hmm. It looks like something that people will want to pull and have in their fridge. And I've, seen it a lot. Yeah. So I think for that, it's, it's a lot of marketing and the branding and the aesthetic that they put out there. Uh, and then also word of mouth often helps with a lot of products, right? especially the ones that are like a little bit more pricey that there has to be more decision-making going into it. You need to weigh the costs. Yep. Um, cause people, you know, the four piece of marketing prices, I think a very important one. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big one. Um, obviously. But so I want to ask you one more question on the sort of industry thing, and then we'll Mm -hmm. take a break and we'll get to the newsletter thing. So for those of you who listen to this, um, everyone knows that I failed econ 101 my freshman year of college. I was playing off-road in the uh, arcade in the (laughs) basement of the student center. Mm -hmm. This was 1990 and off-road was the video game that if you won with your monster truck, you never had to put in another quarter. You could just keep winning. And that was really appealing to me. So that's what I did during econ class. And look at me now. But that said, I do know about recoveries and I know about different shapes of recoveries and whatnot. And I'm drawing a K right now. Here's my question to you. Do you think that we're about to enter sort of this like bifurcated K-shaped world where you've got, like I live in New York City, there's wealth upon wealth upon wealth. And then there's like really like very sad, not okay. The city does not look particularly healthy and well right now. Yeah. You've got Erwan where th- there are droves of people going there just to show that they have the social equity to go there. Honestly, I don't even know if they're buying all that much. And then you have this C store thing. Do you feel like we're going to lose out on the middle brands, the middle retailers, the middle consumer? And we're sort of going to end up in this K of high-end elite status. And then on the other side, a value 
inexpensive. I don't need an experience. I just want, you know, my soup. Um, no, I, I don't really think so. I mean, I, I think there's always going to be both of those extremes. Obviously, mm-hmm. Dollar General is doing very well across the country. Um, I think I had something in my my newsletter a couple of weeks ago about that. It's kind of amazing. And then obviously the air ones of the world are seemingly doing very well too. Right. But I think there's more people in the middle, generally in this country, there's more people in the middle than right. anything. We just don't know about it. But I also think even on the coast where there's a lot of elites and or elite, elitism mm-hmm. uh, and people sort of showing off, trying to virtue signal that they are of a certain socioeconomic class. I think a lot of those people actually are not part of that socioeconomic class. You know, I'm, I'm 27. A lot of my peers, I, I see a lot of people, you know, I have friends from undergrad and friends from professional life and high school and camp and all that. And I sort of see them on social media and there's some people who go to air one. There's some people who are traveling, but I'm like, I, I know what you do for work. This doesn't, a lot of this mm-hmm. doesn't line up. It's a lot mm-hmm. of this like virtue signaling mm-hmm. and, and is, I think a good way to put it. Um, but I think a lot of them will figure, and I've noticed this too in just like the types of products that are coming out, especially like dupe culture. Right. I think that that is, that is the still a thing. Ground. Are people st- is that still happening? Oh, t- totally not not counterfeits, but like no, ooh, I mean just yeah. like I can't imagine deciding to launch a brand right now in this current economic climate, let alone launch a brand that doesn't have like a ton of like right substance behind I, it. I, I think the doof culture is interesting, especially when it's more like true luxury goods. Like there's italic, there's, um, dossier, which does low cost, but high end scents. So they're supposed to mimic Santel 33, like mm-hmm. Lalabo scents, or I'm blanking on every other luxury. Can it pull? I don't know. Is that luxury? But you know, those are doing well. And people on, at least on what I've seen on TikTok, there's, mm-hmm. People are buying the, this method hand soap instead of this Aesop one. It smells as good. It's in a metal container. It looks nice. Mm-hmm. You would know the difference. There's yeah. also obviously Italic, and there's another brand that's similar to Italic. You know Quince. so many brands. Quince is another one. It's luxury goods at cost. Right. So there's a desire to have these nice things, but people want middle of the ground, middle right. of the road prices yeah and i think target's success too is a great example of of that too it's a little bit nicer yeah and walmart's starting to get a little bit nicer too so people don't necessarily want discount 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 but they don't necessarily want a lot of luxury in their everyday life yeah no it's interesting i i just feel like i feel like target lost some share to walmart lately for sure lost some mind share also and Walmart did this whole thing. I mean, I've spent some time thinking about Walmart lately and even talking. I interviewed Chamberlain Coffee and she yeah. launched, speaking of like all the things, right? They launched nationally at Walmart before right. anything. A lot of the creator brands are. Um, it's like gotten to be like a thing. But, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me. First of all, you know so many more brands than I do. I feel like I need to study up on my brand thing. I hope I hope you're right because uh, I feel like it's almost like, you know, you're either shopping for a car that is super utilitarian or you don't care about utility and you just want something super beautiful and special and luxury. Yeah. Similar with watches. I either want like a Timex or I'm looking for like a groovy, you know, and I just, I feel like I don't want that middle ground to go away. And I want, I don't, I don't want, I think diversity in the ecosystem is so critical and yeah. it just makes me nervous. I totally see where you're coming from, but I, I am pretty hopeful that that middle sort of normal average space mm-hmm. will do well. Well, we're in a particular time. And I think that's what yeah. everyone just has to always remember. Like we yeah. kind of forgot that we were in COVID and now we're kind of forgetting that we're just coming out of COVID and, right. you know, in a couple of years we'll forget that we're like post COVID, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think with the middle ground too, it's like, you can also in, in that space, you can get little luxuries a lot a lot easier than you can, you know, obviously up or, or down market. It's right. easier to get like maybe the dupes or just maybe use a slightly better floor mop or vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a better I, flosser the other day. There we go. Like a flosser pick. It was yeah. like the, the floss went in this direction, not this direction. And it felt much better. Yeah. I, I think also just the way, like I'm thinking, obviously I'm, bias thinking about the way i shop but like i love a subaru it's not the cheapest car best but it's not the most luxury car it's very practical it still has some luxuries it still has some you know it's still not as expensive so it it sort of fits this bucket and i think like consumers are hopefully going to go that route but there will always be like i i always want something very luxurious sometimes like my my iPhone, but that's also right. I think worth every penny. Yep. Yep. Okay. We're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and talk about newsletters. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm back with Nate Rosen from Express Checkout. Okay, so part duh. We're done talking about the industry. Now we're just going to talk about you. Um, Sounds great. 
again, I'm going to give you my little thesis and then you can opine. I was reading this thing from Leah Haberman. I think she's just, she has a great newsletter too about marketing and super smart. Um, and, and, and she was basically sort of questioning whether people trust social media anymore. And social media has sort of become less about your friends recommending something or uh, like people that you trust sort of giving you advice and more clearly, you know, sponsored, somewhat, um, you know, entertainment-y, et cetera. And then it started I started thinking about blogs, where it all began in the, you know, in the 2010s. You were a child, but I was a fully grown up person. And blogs were great. Blogs were like people who were interested in baking or spices or travel. And they just wrote. And then it got super spawn conny, super like SEO heavy, where you had to skip 16 pages of SEO keywords to like finally get to the thing that you actually wanted to read. It feels like the newsletter is this kind of sweet spot in between something a little more analog. Like in the old days, there'd be these aggregators that would like gather newspapers from all around the world and then like put in like what you need to know this week or today before there was the interweb. Um, but also clickable and and sort of like uh, interactive and entertaining enough that it feels right for the zeitgeist today. So I'm wondering if that tracks. I think that tracks uh, very well. I think, I think I'm also hearing you sort of talk about blogs again. I do kind of feel like newsletters are the reemergence of blogs. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, but they're often but less a, annoying. Less annoying because it almost feels more <laughs> personal. Yeah. It feels like you're, I mean, you're getting an email from an individual person rather than going to a destination. Mm-hmm. It's much more personal. I think the same way that YouTube videos have always sort of felt, you feel this like parasocial relationship with this individual. Mm -hmm. You can respond to a comment, you respond to the email, they'll respond, they interact with you, they're Mm -hmm. talking to you Mm -hmm. rather than sort of talking at you. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that tracks perfectly. And like, I think the feedback I've gotten from my newsletter and even from some of my content out there on Twitter and LinkedIn align with that sentiment that it feels a little bit more personal. So as a human, like you are not a brand. Yes. (laughs) Um, It makes sense, right? You're sort of a subject expert. You're generalist in the sense that you have your kind of eyes on everything in the zeitgeist. You're able to gather and to put things into an order that people can click on and follow some sort of a narrative you know, you, you never make, I think one thing I really like about you is while it definitely has a point of view and I can now, especially that I know you, I can hear your voice saying it. I've never found it to be snarky and it doesn't sound like you are some of the, um, people who comment on our industry, uh, 
aren't actually making this stuff, aren't actually doing this stuff. So they're not really in the ring, as they say. And it's nice um, to have someone who is commenting, assessing, but not necessarily with um, too much of like an attitude, I guess, about what's going on. And that's just like who you are. Is that, do you ever have to hold back on a thought that you have and not write it because you're nervous? Sometimes. Yeah. But, but rarely because even though I've, I've I've worked at a CPG brand for a, for a stint, I've worked Mm -hmm. at settle where I was able to see a lot of, uh, a lot of brands and learn a lot about how they operate. Um, and even just knowing a lot of founders, but I don't, want to claim to be more than I am. And also I want to start discussions. I want to hear from other people who are doing a lot more to your point, rather than being this like voice of truth. I want to, I want to share and create a community rather than being this, this, you know, thought leader. Right. Right. With all these opinions. That's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I also know that I'm missing, you know, certain nuances to it. And I I don't want to, I don't want to poke the bear too much. Yeah. But yeah, I think everything. I never find myself yelling at you. (laughs) I don't like to be yelled at. (laughs) No, but some podcasts I listen to and I'm like, okay guys, but really, but okay. But er, you know, and then same, you know? Yeah. Um, so so this might be a little esoteric of a question, but I'm not on Twitter. I've never been on Twitter or X or whatever you need, it's called. You don't need now. to be. Okay. But so if a newsletter are people that subscribe to you, that mm-hmm. you have to take, I would imagine, several hours a week aggregating, writing, editing, making sure the links, blah, 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 getting it. Is, is there a shorter form of you is that what twitter is and is there a longer form where people can kind of dig in more like is that how you think of it or are you thinking of it that way i think i'm thinking of it that way now Mm -hmm. uh that's actually a very yeah no i wasn't before i mean this newsletter started partially on Twitter. I was doing threads for, I think I did it for like 15, 18 weeks in a row. Mm. It was just like 10 to 15 things you missed throughout the week mm-hmm. with the goal. There was, the goal was always to create this newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I had the idea, but I wanted to test it out first on LinkedIn or on Twitter. I never, I didn't do LinkedIn, but yeah, on, on, on Twitter, it's, it's a little bit more playful. It's a little bit more of just like, what am mm-hmm. I thinking in the moment? But like bits. nothing too crazy bits. Mm-hmm. I would say the longer for, form version of this is meeting me in person for coffee or right. over a drink or over dinner or we're working out or going for a run. Right. I don't, I, I will start to put out more longer form content, but I think those well, that types could be of, just for, you know, big CPG strategics who pay you for it take that yeah that's my goal for you um yeah i mean it's i guess i'm thinking now because as we transition sort of from like you as a person to a brand right so as a brand we have social everything we do have i think i mean we have a really nice like 
you've probably heard me talk about our email. Our email is pretty killer. And I think yeah. part of the reason why, I mean, Maddie and Bridget do an amazing job on our email, but I think part of the reason why we have such a stellar sort of like opt-in list and so many people retain and so many people click through is because we're never really pushing sales. It's always right. about educational content. And yet we also, in or, our email does have to be very um, sort of designed, a lot of, a lot of design, a lot of resources go into it. And while we love it for serving our community recipes, I am wondering if there's a light, lighter version you know, like a, almost like a newsletter, not from us about the, about the industry, but from us about cooking tips or from us about, you know, other things in the grocery store, you know, and I'm, I guess I'm wondering, you know, where would we even begin to, to do that? You know, how, how, how does one start a newsletter? That's a great question. I think part <laughs> of it is you have an idea, you have some conviction, you start putting it out and, and you get your, your friends or your network to start sharing it. Mm -hmm. If you have more anxiety, like I tend to do, you put out a survey, you ask a thousand people before you put any right. pen to paper. Mm -hmm. But I, having done this and like having had this idea for a long time and kind of wishing I started it earlier. Mm -hmm. I think when you know, you know, mm -hmm. I hate that advice, but it all, it's also no, very when it true. Clicks, it clicks. Yeah. It clicks. Yeah. And like, I knew when I was writing and I was like, this is going to be good. And I put yeah. out, a, a, I remember I put out a tweet a, a long time ago before I started. I was like, would anybody be interested in a newsletter? I, I, I forgot how I phrased it, but it was sort of a prying question to get people to be like, yes, no, maybe so. Mm -hmm. And I remember multiple people are like, we don't need another, another newsletter. And then like three issues in, I see that same person posting something like this newsletter is great. Everyone should read it. I share it with my entire team. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you have a good idea. Yeah. Uh, it's like toot your own horn. It's, it's great. Like, yeah, no, I think it is great. And then, so, I mean, literally like brass tacks, did you go on like, is it Substack? I don't even know. Like what's the, so I use beehive, which is this, uh, Basically, this it's in the same camp as Substack. It's slightly different product, but it's a it's Substack. It, the it's almost the equivalent of Substack. It, it looks different. There's some different functionality. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. I would recommend it. Does it but hurt your feelings when people unsubscribe? <laughs> sometimes, yeah. It would really bum me out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I look. <laughs> I look at it on subscribe yeah, for sure. Uh -huh. Okay. I'll just remember that next time I'm at expo. Uh-huh. Okay. Thanks. You come over and you smile and whatnot and you've unsubscribed. Yeah. Um, that was a total non sequitur, but okay. So, and so like, did you just put in, are you a, cause like with us for an email, you have to opt in to an email list. Like as a consumer, we can't just yeah. add you to our mailing list. Like, yep. is it the same with a newsletter? People have to opt in. Yes. I mean, you can technically add people and resubscribe someone if you wanted to. Never right. done that. I've <laughs> only grown, grown this pretty organically. I've shared it with mm -hmm. some friends. They've shared it with other people. Um, there's a recommendation feature in 
in Beehive where when you subscribe to someone, it'll show you other mm-hmm. newsletters that you recommend. I've so when, that. Right. So when you subscribe to mine, it says Eli Weiss's newsletter and uh, Curb, Curb Your Millennialism, which is a, my friend Andy's newsletter. That's kind of uh, funny. I, I recommend it. It's actually very good. Okay. It's also a, a wonderful name. That That is a great name. Yeah, encapsulates it all. Yes, yeah. Very well. That's very funny. Okay. The other thing, is there, you know, in our case, right, like I would say single most important thing that we need to offer our email Mm -hmm. subscribers is something that makes their lives better, some educational content. Would you say that that's the same for a newsletter or would you say there's like a, it, there's something about ease of reading or filling in a gap? Like what would you say sort of is the most, do you try to make sure every week before you're hitting click, go, send, whatever, have I done this for my readers? Have I done this for my subscribers? What, what would you say? hundred percent. I definitely created this newsletter for me as like a mechanism to keep up to date mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm actually logging and reading everything that I said I would read. Right. Which now I very much do. Um, but the goal was always to be informative, to help, to educate and keep people up to date. Like I, I don't, I can't think of one newsletter. I can think of newsletters that I read that are definitely more um, self-fulfilling than actually yes. helpful. Like you read them, you're like, you just wanted to talk about the color paint of your room. Yeah. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or it's like, this is really a, a, uh, a vehicle for you to get sponsors. Right. For you to have passive income, mm-hmm. which I, I started to sponsor my newsletter. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think most newsletters, most people go into that with the notion of, I feel like I have something to say that no one else is saying that or not enough people are saying mm-hmm. that I want to get out there that I think people will find a lot of value from. And I want to bring value to people. I think most times it's, it's always gonna be a little self-fulfilling. You're putting your voice out there. Like you're creating something and trying to get an audience from it. That's self-fulfilling. Yeah. But I think most people go into it with like, I have this thing to say, I really just want to say it. I want other people to know about it too, because it's going to benefit their lives, yep. whether it's about the future of commerce which there is a news there is a newsletter and organization future commerce, mm-hmm. um, or if it's like Emily Sundberg's newsletter about sort of just culture and some other business stuff, and yeah, I learned stuff from that. And there's so many other examples. I know I got on some list for some for a newsletter that I don't even know how it landed in my email box, but I've started looking forward to it. I don't even, she writes about these like social media phenomenons. The last, the last one she wrote about was like hashtag trad wives, like traditional wives. I'm not on social media. I have no, I have nothing. All I have is LinkedIn, which I don't even think of as social media. I don't. Some people may differ. I don't. But I've never, I, oh my gosh. And she wrote one on like Bama Rush. Have Bama you, Rush is wild. Oh my God. I didn't wild. even know this was a thing, but anyway, oh, but she writes this very, it's almost like you're reading a dissertation and, and it has like pictures and it has examples. So this traditional wives thing is like crazy town. It's literally like 
women being like, we shouldn't go to college. We should just have babies because that is God. And that makes us true women. Like on a lot on the internet right now on Instagram. And I I think the wonderful thing about like newsletters like that is uh, even me, who I'm on a lot of socials, I'm on TikTok, I'm on whatever. Mm -hmm. I try to keep up to date. I've never seen that. I've never heard of that. That has never crossed my radar. But like, like these people who are, who are creating this newsletter or even do TikToks and YouTube right. videos and all this stuff. They're the ones who keep up to keep up to date. Yeah. They tell you the condensed version. So you don't need to know yes. anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're off with your day and you're, you're, yeah. you're kept abreast of everything that's going it's on. Like anthropology. Like, it's so cool. It I mean, I literally was like, awesome. I don't know why I'm so riveted by this, but I am riveted and yeah. reading it and sending it. Okay. More questions for you. Um, do you have guidelines for yourself? what I include, what I don't include, what I, what I, um, again, kind of going back to like what I'll say, what I won't say, are they structured guidelines? Are they just sort of internal part B of that question is when there are sponsors involved and now there is a bit of, you know, sponsorship involved. Um, did that change things for you? Because now you're sort of now you're answering on some level or you're representing or right. you want them to feel, quote unquote, safe advertising with you, which I love when people talk about they don't feel safe advertising on Twitter. Um, what yeah. has that evolved for you? And like, what does that look like now? Yeah. So I'll start with the first part of the question. Um, so I do have guidelines they're not written down anywhere. Or at least I don't think I've written them down anywhere unless I blacked out and wrote them in down the somewhere night, in a, yeah. in a <laughs> drunken stupor, writing uh-huh. down newsletter guidelines, <laughs> something I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty loose right now. I think I could probably narrow them down a bit more. And honestly, like my, my newsletter is pretty dense and I, I bet I could even condense it a, 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 a smidge more. Um, but yeah, I do have guidelines. Like I'm not really talking about restaurant, like restaurant, hospitality, mm-hmm. quick service, unless it's very relevant to making, selling, buying, shipping a product. Right. I probably won't talk about it. Like I think in the, it's interesting to me, and, but it's just like, it's way too much. Like that, mm-hmm. that just throws it over the line where I'm not able to finish. I won't be able to finish this thing. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I don't throw in too many opinions. I want to throw in more of my voice though. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that every issue sounds like me. If I was telling you something, I want it to come off in the newsletter. I don't want Mm -hmm. it to sound necessarily like juvenile because I I feel like the way I try to write my voice on paper Mm -hmm. could come off young. Not that that's a bad thing, but like it comes off friendly. Okay. That's great. I just don't want it to come off too mature or anything, right. but no, but yeah. Like, you know, th- those are really the guidelines right now. There's not much more. Um, do you pretty... feel different writing it knowing that there is a sponsor? No. Okay. Cause That's good. I took a while to get a sponsor mm-hmm. mostly because I, it wasn't the main focus. I wanted to figure this out. I wanted to grow it. I wanted to build it with the sponsor, you know, I'm very lucky that I know a lot of people in this space that I feel like I can ask to be a sponsor. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of interesting people inbound for sponsorships and I'm very upfront with 
anybody who I'm going to ask to be a sponsor that like, here's what you get. And that's going to like, that's it. Like, I'm not going to play to their game necessarily. Not that anybody I've talked to so far has really had an ulterior motive. I was going to say, would you say no to anybody? I would probably say no to, to someone depending on what they were asking. Um, because it's not it's not worth hurting my relationship with the audience mm-hmm. just for a sponsor when right now this is not like the main thing it's it's a big thing that I'm doing right. but it's I feel like I don't have to bend over backwards for a sponsor when there's so right. many people who I'm sure would provide sponsorship and like I also want to work with the sponsor to make something that m- makes sense for them because there's plenty right. of people who've who I've seen reach out or like I've seen sponsorships in other newsletters and I'm like, that doesn't relevant to your audience for some reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just, and to me, it's like, Oh, you're kind of just taking their money and that's fine. They're willing to part with it. But I think that's silly. Like, are you finding it? Are you starting to see that it's leading to other things? Like, is it starting to become its own thing? The, the like? newsletter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to, and I also like, have a lot of appetite to build it beyond just the newsletter. Like I want to build this into more of a media platform where I do deep dives, partnering with some data provider. Mm-hmm. I want to do more interviews. I would love to do a podcast eventually. Great. In, in some capacity, <laughs> somebody, somebody was suggesting I do like a daily or, or every other day podcast, like the best one yet. I is that a podcast name? It's a podcast. The best one they, yet. So okay. every day, it's uh, two guys. They talk about the news. That's fun. You really have to stay up to date. Yeah. No, I was thinking, I actually was thinking for you to do a week, like one, like a, a podcast version of the newsletter, which is basically, here's what happened this week. Bring on a guest. Talk about, right. you know. All right. I, we have to finish up because I promised Liam that I wouldn't go over the hour. Okay. Um, my last question is, yes. can you tell us anything about this stealth thing that you're doing consulting something, something? <laughs> it is a CPG product. Okay. Uh, I am helping, a, helping the founder. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of work for it. Um, it is very pre-launch. Okay. Around the coffee space. That's okay. all I can say right now. Amazing. It's not co- and it's not coffee. Love it. All right. That's very enigmatic. Yes. Um, Stay tuned. I will. I will. Okay. And just where, what, how do people get the newsletter? So you can go to expresscheckout.co. Bring your right to, awesome. right to the newsletter. You can sign up. You can also always find me on Twitter at Rosenzone. <laughs> I made it in middle school. I've had it for a long time. I like it. I like it. Uh, and on LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn. on LinkedIn. Amazing. Nate, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was super thank fun. Thank you for having me. I think we should all start thinking about newsletters. It's just a thing. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Not to compete with yours, just That's for fine. our own audiences. Um, Liam, thank you so much for engineering. As always, I'm one minute over, but I'm going to do this really quickly. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. And let me know if you want, you know, we can add a like a another sort of pop culture newsy sort of you could be like a spin-off podcast. Be interesting. You know? We could do something. 
Um, anyway, I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.